Hello, YouTube. We're on the YouTube, as long as they let us be on the YouTube. How are you, Internet? I'm uh, Ruben Report host here, Dave Rubin. We're doing a live stream, impromptu style. My whole team was here today. We're doing a million things. The, uh, the book tour, don't burn this book, my first book. Uh, the book tour was announced this morning, and we have so many things going on at the moment. It's truly beyond imagination. Like, my uh, levels of craziness and the amount of things we're doing right now are, like, completely off the chart. My team is unbelievable and, and keeping my head on straight here. Uh, but in the midst of everything that we're trying to do, launching the tour, taking care of other book stuff, we have a show that we do. Um, you know, I was on Dana Perino's show, uh, The Daily Briefing on Fox an hour ago. Uh, just like a whole slew of a million things. I'm going to San Francisco tomorrow for a couple days uh, to talk to some tech people uh, about fundraising that I'm doing for Locals.com. Just a, a bajillion things happening. And about an hour ago, I was like, whoa, 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 why aren't we doing a live stream? Because the tour went uh, on sale today and we should probably do a live stream. And everyone kind of looked at me and was like, oh yes, let's do a live stream. That sounds fun. Anyway, uh, here we are. We're doing a live stream. Uh, a couple things to tell you. So first off, the main reason we're doing this. So my first book, Don't Burn This Book, comes out on April 28th. Uh, we've done a seriously, not we, actually I should point at you, you good people uh, have done an absolutely freaking amazing uh, job of support for us already. We've sold thousands and thousands of copies of the book already, which is, which is just awesome. The day that we announced the pre-sale, which was back in August, which already seems like a lifetime ago, uh, we hit number three on Amazon sales list. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff's happening. Um, I've been signing book plates for people and all that good stuff, but as of today, the tour, don't burn this book tour, don't burn this book tour, uh, is uh, tickets are available for pre-sale. So the link, first off, the link to buy tickets. Now this is an American tour so far. We're gonna add a European tour. We're adding Canada. We're gonna do some stuff in Australia. I think Israel, a few other places. We're working all that stuff. But right now we've got 17 stops starting on April 28th and then throughout May in the United States. We're launching in my original hometown of New York City at the Gramercy Theater on April 28th. We're in Philly the next night. We're gonna, we have three stops, Dallas, Houston, and San Antonio and Texas, Colorado Springs. We're doing Cincinnati, Cleveland. Uh, we're doing Seattle, Portland. We're bouncing all over uh, the country. I'm super psyched to get out there. We're doing mostly about 1,000 seat theaters. I wanna sell out every freaking one of these things. I wanna meet as many of you guys as possible. I wanna shake your hands. I wanna hear your stories of political evolution or whatever it is, however it is that I, I came into your life. Um, it's just the, the last couple of years have been just absolutely incredible and, and uh, validating and verifying that I'm, I'm doing the right thing with my life. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, so I can't wait to just get back out on tour. You know, I did about 120 stops in a year uh, in 2019, or 20, 2019, geez, it was mostly 2018, a little bit into 2019, uh, with Jordan Peterson, and we did about 20 countries, and it was incredible, and just to be a part of that magic, and I assure you I was just a small part of that magic, um, but just to meet so many of you guys and see the energy around all of this stuff. So I'm super psyched, so here's what we're gonna do. First off, the pre-sale is today, uh, through tomorrow, and then they go on regular sale. So if you're watching this right now, you're the first people that can get the tickets. So the link is in the description down below, and you can go to livenation.com, and you'll click the link there. You have to enter the code SOLO, like Han Solo, S-O-L-O, -O, uh, to get pre-sale tickets. You can't do it without the code. So if you click that link, you press 
Uh, you enter the code SOLO, you can get tickets. Real quick, I'm gonna rifle off all of the cities for you. I'm super psyched about this. Tuesday, April 28th, we're at the Gramercy Theater in New York. Wednesday, April 29th, we're at the Theater of the Living Arts in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. On May 3rd, we're at the House of Blues in Dallas. Oh, and I should tell you guys, a special guest will join me for every show. So the way we're gonna do the, the format for these, and I think it'll probably change a little bit on the fly, is that I'm gonna give about an hour talk, and then I'm gonna take a local person, usually a local person, and bring them on stage to do a Q&A with me after where we'll take questions from you guys. And as I do at all of my college events and every public speaking event that I've done in the past couple of years, if you disagree with me, you come to the line first. Um, I will do a moderated Q&A with a special guest. So I, I'm not announcing all of them right now, but I will tell you, because we're still trying to work some logistics, that uh, for the Dallas show on May 3rd, Glenn Beck will be joining me on stage. Uh, then on May 4th, we're in Houston at the House of Blues. On May 5th, we're in San Antonio uh, at the Aztec Theater. On May 7th, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio at Bogart's. On May 8th, we're at the House of Blues in Cleveland. Uh, May 9th, we're at the Old National Center in Indianapolis. On May 10th, we're at the Varsity Theater in Minneapolis. On May 11th, we're at the Monroe Live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Grand Rapids, by the way, I cannot wait to go back to Grand Rapids. That might have been the best show we did with Jordan. I don't know what is going on in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but you people are on something. Uh, I, the ones that stand out in my mind, that one, Orlando and Miami. The Florida shows were incredible. Uh, and by the way, we don't have any Florida shows set yet. We're working on a whole Florida tour. I, I just spent the last 10 days down in Florida. You might be able to tell by the little tan here. Um, and I met so many people in Florida. So I, we're gonna do like a whole separate Florida thing. There's something good happening down in Florida with Florida Man. So I'm looking forward to getting back to Grand Rapids. We are on uh, May 12th. We're in Detroit at St. Andrew's Hall. Uh, and then we are at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. I will download the poop app before I get there because we don't want to step in poop before you do a big show. Uh, we're at the Neptune Theater. Uh, that was May 19th, San Francisco. May 20th at the Neptune Theater in Seattle, Washington. Uh, and we're at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, right in the home, uh, the heart of Antifa City. Uh, that's May 21st, Revolution Hall, Portland, Oregon. For that one, Peter Bogosian, who you guys know, uh, my good buddy, and many time Ruben Report guests will be joining me. Oh, and I should have mentioned that for the uh, Silver Springs show, which is really the, the DC show, and we're doing that one on, where'd we go here? Um, Silver Springs, where's Silver Springs on here? Somebody get me that Silver Springs date, would you? I think it may be April 30th, where are we? Somebody will get me the, April, I think there's an April 30th Silver Springs that got cut off on my paper here. Pretty sure it's April 30th Silver Springs. Uh, Christina Hoff Summers is gonna join me for that one. So we're gonna add in different people throughout the tour. I'm gonna try to find people that are local, but we'll see. Anyway, the tickets are on sale there at Ticketmaster. The Live Nation link is right down below. You gotta use code SOLO. Uh, we'll do book signings, meet and greets. I'm gonna do special uh, chats with people after the show if you buy certain level tickets, all that good stuff. And on top of everything else, because we give here, just like Bernie Sanders, we give to you here at the Rubin Report. If you buy tickets today for any show, no matter how many tickets you buy, you buy one, you buy 100, we'll give you free one month access if you're a new subscriber at rubinreport.com. So all you gotta do is buy a ticket wherever you wanna buy the ticket, forward your receipt to support at rubinreport.com, and we're gonna give you free one month access to rubinreport.com. And there's a ton going on over there, by the way, guys. We've built out a really awesome community 
Um, and I'm so proud of what's going on there. There's no bots, there's no trolls, there's cool, interesting people actually having discussions about things. And then on top of that, you get ad-free video, you get ad-free podcast. Um, with, by the way, as you, most of you know, this is the Ruben Report community is the first project of locals.com. That is my tech company that I built because I didn't want to just complain about big tech. I wanted to start something. So we got some investment. We built out an awesome tech company. I'm going to San Francisco, as I said, to, to raise some funds. We have major, major people coming on board this thing. We have at least, I can't, I can't announce anybody yet. Well, we have a couple of people you know about. Bridget Fetizy and Michael Malice is on there. Uh, and Carpe Donctum is on there too. We got a whole bunch of people. But we have one person that we're announcing in the next two weeks that is an absolute internet game changer. So we're fixing the internet. We got a whole bunch of other people on there. So again, right now, you click that link, buy a ticket, any of the 17 stops. If you're a new subscriber, we're gonna give you a month free at rubenreport.com. And then what I said I would do is, uh, oh, that's Silver Spring, my people are telling me. It's not Silver Springs. Thank you. Silver Spring, not Silver Springs. Apparently that's a completely other place or there's just one spring there. Um, so Silver Spring, that is the place. Um, and, and I'm just really, again, I'm just super psyched to get back out on the road. Like I really do, people always would ask me during the tour with Jordan, it's like we did all this hundred some odd stop thing and we're bouncing between, you know, Norway and Sweden and Denmark and do, 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 UK here, there, the other thing and just bouncing across different cities in different countries and the whole thing. And people would ask, are you tired or you whatever? And it was like, there were moments where I guess I was a little tired or I slept on a plane, but I loved every second of it. It was really one of the best years of my life. It's like going to places that I had never been, you know, I'd never been to Dublin in Ireland, going and meeting these people who seemingly come from completely different walks of life and that someone in Dublin is thinking the same thing as someone in Stockholm, who's thinking the same thing as someone in Kansas City, who's thinking the same thing as someone in Toronto, and then all coming together about it is pretty awesome. And the other thing that I would always talk about in the tour with Jordan, I would always start the shows with something like this. You know, there'd be like 3,000 people in a theater, and I would always tell everybody, you know, take a moment, guys, look around this room. You know, most of us, you watch these shows, like you watching this right now, whether you're watching on your your iPhone or your iPad or your Apple TV or your laptop, whatever it is, most likely you're watching this solo, right? You might be watching with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a prostitute, I don't know what you're doing, but you're not watching with a whole group of people usually. These are, these are pretty solo, direct conversations, which is why I always talk, try to talk directly to the camera to you with this stuff because that's sort of how we're doing this, right? And when I would do the shows with Jordan and there'd be 3,000, sometimes one of the shows in, um, it was Melbourne, Australia, 6,000 people there. I would say, look around this room, guys. Like, there are all sorts of other people that look all sorts of different ways, right? The, the diversity that the left cares about, they were different colors and they were different genders and different sexualities, all the nonsense that free-minded, clear-thinking people just absolutely don't care about. But I'd say, look around this room. There are other good people out there. And you don't know if they're actually in your office or on the subway with you or at work with you or at the playground with your kids or whatever else it is. So that's what I want out of this tour. I wanna to bring people together, do the VIP meet and greets after. You know, one of the nights in, uh, one, of the, one of the best nights of the, of the Jordan tour was in Stockholm, I would do, Jordan would do his meet and greet and he'd get hundreds of people doing it and we would do a, a pretty much an impromptu meet and greet for me that was just sold that day, sometimes just within, right after the show, and, you know, 50 or 100 people would come. The Stockholm one was so incredible, the room was so packed with 100 people in this, in this pretty tight room. And I said, you know what, let's, let's get out of here, guys, and let's find a bar. And we basically, 100 people just took over a bar in Stockholm. It was awesome. We did something like that in Amsterdam, too. There was a little, a little of that. Um, 
but I, I'm looking forward to just getting out there and meeting you guys and uh, taking questions and shaking hands and the whole thing. So I'll do one more promo thing. And then by the way, I'm gonna do a Q&A right now, a live Ask Me Anything for subscribers at rubenreport.com. So if you wanna ask me a question right now, buy a ticket to the tour, forward your receipt over to support at rubenreport.com. We're gonna give you free access for a month to check it out. Maybe you'll stick around, maybe you won't. I hope you will. Uh, and then going forward, you can pay, you basically pay whatever you want. That's the way we're doing it. And by having just a little bit of a paywall, by the way, we've gotten rid of the bots and the trolls. No trolls in there. Uh, and that's why I think what we're doing with locals, by the way, is so cool because every all the people we're building communities for, you set your own rules in your community. So for example, I have a pretty, uh, what I would say is a liberal set of rules in my community as far as speech. You can basically say what you want. You can't break the laws of the United States. You can't post porn, but pretty much beyond that, you can do whatever you want. But if you're a relentless dick, I think that's the way I phrase it in the rules, then we're, we're gonna boot you. I've only had to boot one person. But it's like, by the way, if you get booted from my local, you could still be in British uh, Bridget Fetises. You could still be in Michael Malice's, or I should have mentioned Michael Malice before. Uh, you can be in these other people's things. So there's no deplatforming. It's the same way you, want free speech, say on the street, right? But you don't invite everybody into your house to say whatever they want to you. Um, so I think there's a new, more mature way that we can treat the internet. And that's what I'm, one of the things that I'm gonna be obviously talking about a lot about in the tour. It's one of the things that the book is about uh, and many other things. Okay, so let's, uh, let's do a little Q and A uh, right now at the same time. Uh, a lot of questions are rolling in. Here we go. Um, oh. Well, uh, how are you and David holding up after Emma? So, well, thanks for asking. Did not expect that to be the first question. Um, we're good, basically. So for those of you that, that uh, may not know or didn't see the video, we posted a couple weeks ago. So our 16-year-old dog, Emma, um, we let her move on to the doggy heaven in the sky. Uh, it was two weeks ago yesterday or the day before, two weeks ago on Monday. Um, 16 years old, um, you know, I know everybody says, oh, their dog's the special one, their dog's the best and that whole thing. Um, but this dog was, was truly, truly special. And in many ways, she was like my, she, you know, I have a companion in life, but I had, a, I had a, this other companion that uh, I had been with for 14 of her years. She was a rescue from Hurricane Katrina. I know a lot of you know the story. She gave birth during the hurricane. They found her in a box. The puppies were basically healthy. She was deathly ill. They found her at St. Bernard's Parish. One of her children, one of her puppies got named Bernard. And then I posted this long Twitter thread about Emma about a year ago when she got sick, she had bladder cancer. And then through that Twitter thread, I was able to reconnect with the woman that owned Bernard 14 years later. And Bernard came here a couple times to our house. Emma was basically too old to travel at that point. But Emma got reconnected with her son, Bernard, 14 years later. And Bernard's an old timer, he's 14 now. Um, but we got them together a bunch and she was just a, Gorgeous, great dog. If you look in our recent videos, there's a video that I took of her uh, the day before uh, we let her go, um, just munching down on a bone. And we, we just we had a great three-day weekend with her before. Um, we just basically sat outside for three straight days. We gave her every bone, every we cooked her, you know, grass-fed ribeyes. The last thing that we did for her um, was we, we. David had always wanted to do this. We he cooked a whole chicken. Okay, picture a whole chicken cooked it, and we just put it on the floor for her. This is about an hour before we let her go, and we just let her tear through it. There's some videos on Twitter that I posted about it, but she teared through that thing, and, um, and then it was, it was time to go. Um, and it, you know, it sucks, it's like, she, she was 16, she had, she had life in her still. 
she was on steroids at the end just to, they, they just, you know, that's, it's the last thing you could do basically for a dog to, and, and often for humans too, um, to just juice the system one more time to make that last bit of time good. And we could have probably strung it along a little bit longer, but she did have, a, she had a pretty large uh, tumor in her bladder and so basically she felt like she had to pee all the time. Um, so she was, she was peeing everywhere, arthritis was bad, she was having trouble getting up, so sometimes she was peeing in bed and the rest of it. And I just didn't want it to end, or we didn't want it to end, just horrifically, you know? And the thing is with steroids, it works for a while, but then when it turns, it's, it's pretty bad at once. And I didn't just want her to collapse or just, you know, drop one day or whatever it is. Um, so we gave her the chicken, we, we sat with her for a while, we, we cried, we did everything you do, and, uh, and someone came to the house. Uh, it was a woman who was highly recommended, she could not have been better. And we got to say our goodbyes and, and that's it. I will tell you one other crazy thing about Emma. Um, that night, so obviously it was an incredibly emotional weekend day and you know, just crying all day long. And, and by the way, I, was, I had been posting these videos and, and pictures of Emma and, and one of the videos that I posted on Twitter got like a million views and just endless love pouring in all day, um, which is one of the reasons that doing this, despite all the hate that I get, is worth it because you get a whole lot of love too and it's mostly love actually, although often, you end up paying attention to the hate more. Um, but you know, just a super emotional day and we, we did it at about 7 p.m. and we let her go and they, they took her and you know, we're just crying messes and you know, um, the house was a mess, there was chicken all over the floor, I mean, it was the whole thing. Anyway, we uh, kind of cleaned ourselves up, we had a little light dinner and then at about 10.30 we're going to bed and David was in the bathroom brushing his teeth and I was standing in the bedroom and I was just kind of standing there and all the lights in the house were off except in the bedroom because we were going to bed and then suddenly all the lights in the house turned on. Every single light in every single room turned on. What the hell is that? What's that? I said, David, why did you turn the lights on? He said, what are you talking about? I thought you turned the lights on and every single light in the house was on. I don't know, you know, some people, it depends what you believe in, right? Weird things happen. So did Emma, was that like her little message to us? Uh, who knows? And then, and then one other thing, is two days later, we, we happened to walk by this pet adoption place near us, and I said, ah, let's just go in. David didn't really want to go in, but I was like, ah, let's just, not to, not to adopt anybody right now, but just let's just go in and look. We walk in, they have one dog, they call it a, a red healer, which is a type of Australian cattle dog, which is uh, part of what Emma was. I see the dog, you know, there's like, I don't know, 30, 40 dogs in a big pen. The dog, the second I open the door, the dog's looking at me, and it's just got these same eyes as Emma, kind of looks a lot like Emma. And then we're standing there outside of the pen. And the pen, it's probably a good like, I don't know, maybe four feet high, three and a half, four feet high up to here. And I'm talking to the adoption guy and telling him about Emma and everything and that we're, we'll consider getting a dog at some point. The dog jumps out of the pen, literally perches. I mean, I'm talking the, the ledge on this thing was like five, six inches like that. Perches right next to me, sits there, just starts staring at me. So I don't know if that's Emma talking through me or but yada, yada, yada. I post a picture of that. Then a gajillion people are telling me that that was the sign and the dog wants me to adopt it and the dog chooses you and the whole thing. We, we, we were leaving the next day for 10 days so we couldn't do it. Uh, and I have been told since that the dog got adopted by a great family, so it's all good. What the hell am I doing here besides talking about dogs, people? The Don't Burn This Book tour, uh, it has begun as of today, the pre-sale, the link for Live Nation is right down below, 17 stops in the US. We're kicking off in New York City at the Gramercy Theater. We'll have a special guest on that one. I can't just announce it just yet, but it's, it's gonna be somebody good, I promise you that. Uh, in my hometown of New York City, we're in Philly the next night. I, I rifled off all the cities. 
Um, every night I'll do about an hour talk. We'll, uh, we'll do a moderated Q&A with, uh, with somebody that you know and love from the internet, from the show, from my, from my garage here, different person in every city. Uh, and as I said, if you buy a ticket today and you forward your ticket, just forward your receipt to support at rubenreport.com, we'll give you one month free access to the Ruben Report community where you can get ad-free video, podcasts, you can communicate with other fan members. Uh, we here at Locals, which is the company that I'm starting to save the internet because the internet is in a real freaking bind right now and everybody complains about it and says, government, help me, help me, help me. I said, well, you know what? We're not gonna do that. We're gonna actually build it ourselves. Um, so we built something really cool at rubenreport.com. By the way, there's an iOS app, just search Ruben Report or go into Google Play, search Ruben Report. And these are the communities that we're building for all, all sorts of people so that they can create their own network, so they can own their own content, so that they can own user data, so that big tech doesn't own the user data, you actually own it. So we, we got a ton of great things happening. I'm going to San Francisco on uh, tomorrow to uh, have a couple days of meetings up there. Lots of good stuff happening, okay. Dave, do you go off the grid every time you're on vacation or only in August? Um, so you guys know I do this off the grid August thing, which I've done three years in a row. Literally no phone, no television, no news, no newspaper, no nothing. Do not have political conversations with people, no nothing. I did it as a test the first year and it was so great. I was like, I'm gonna do it again. And then last year I was like, yeah, I'm really gonna do it. Now people have started to join me in doing it. Um, you know, you realize how we are so connected, we're endlessly connected. The thing that I miss the most is not email, and it's not, I assure you, it's not Twitter and Instagram and the rest of it. The thing that I miss most is I have a really, really bad sense of direction. So for me to be wandering around without Google Maps could be kind of dangerous, um, but I managed to do it. The one thing that I do, in my, my car has GPS built in, so I still was using technology for something. But to truly be off technology, like no lights, no nothing, I don't know, maybe I'll do that this August, we'll see. Um, but when I normally, you know, I try to go off the grid on the weekends, I'm still using my phone and I'm working and I'm responding to things and that sort of thing. But that the weekends are more just no social media. Um, generally when I take a vacation, so I was just in Florida for about a week um, with my folks and my brother and sister and all their kids and we jam ourselves into a two bedroom apartment, 13 screaming people and it's craziness for a week and we're basically sleeping like Willy Wonka's grandparents. We watch Willy Wonka by the way, which is just such a freaking great movie. I'm talking about Gene Wilder, not, uh, not the other guy. Um, I, I, don't, I don't go off the grid, like I was working. Um, fortunately these days I could sit on the beach and actually respond to a zillion emails and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but I really recommend you guys try it. You know, if you can't do both days of the weekend, try Saturdays. Actually, I don't want to give too much about the book um, away uh, before the book comes out, obviously, but chapter 10 in the book is about this sort of thing, how we need the internet, we, we live in this information age, we're all super connected, all of these things, and it's all great, and it often feels really bad because, as I said before, you sort of focus on the bad things more than the good things, but there's something absolutely freaking incredible here. Right, like we're able to talk about ideas, we're able to communicate and make each other laugh and cry and share good and bad and all those things through this machine, right? Through me staring into this camera and you having the internet and hopefully YouTube not crushing us in the algorithm too bad and the rest of it. It's all absolutely incredible. I mean, it's, it's quite literally mind blowing from what someone would have thought was possible 20 years ago. And, um, it's also important though to step away from it and have some rules around it and not let it rule your life. Because uh, I, I find actually that there are moments where like, you know, something will be happening on Twitter or I'm getting a lot of hate or 
whatever's happening. And then it's like, before you know it, two hours have gone by and you're just scrolling, scrolling, you don't know what's going on. Then you get off, you get off it, you put it aside, but your brain is still and you're with real people. And it's like, it's hard to just kind of center yourself and, and be present. So it's one of the, the tools that I've used, which is just disconnecting sometimes um, to, to stay sane. And it's, and it's basically been working, I think, I think. So, so that's pretty good. All right, one more time, guys, quick reset. The link is right down below. Don't burn this book, 17 US stops starting April 28th. Uh, use code SOLO. Uh, we're gonna be in Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, Seattle, Portland, Cincinnati, Cleveland, uh, Grand Rapids, Denver, New York, whole bunch of other cities. Uh, anyone that buys a ticket today, one ticket, two tickets, 100 tickets, whatever you do, uh, and you can get VIP seats, you can get seats right up front, you can do the meet and greet, whatever you wanna do, you get seats in the back, wherever you wanna go. Um, and we're, I think our, our prices are very fair. I fought to get our prices to be a little bit lower than, than they would've been, because I want as many people to be able to, to be there as possible. Um, if you sign up today and you email that receipt, support at rubenreport.com, we're gonna give you a month free at rubenreport.com, and you can check out the Ruben Report community and get ad-free video and all the rest of it and everything else. Uh, and a quick reminder that a, a, a special guest will join me for each show. Right now, we've got Peter Bogosian joining me in Portland. We've got Christina Hoff Summers joining me in Silver Spring, not Silver Springs, uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. That's the DC show. And who's the other guy, and where are they joining me? Who's Christina? Glenn Beck. Thank you, and Glenn Beck on uh, May 3rd, I believe that's in Dallas. Thank you very much, Helen. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, I ordered the book months ago. When's will, when will the book ship? So if you ordered the book on, uh, on Amazon or on Barnes & Noble or anywhere else, you will get the book on April 28th. That's the day the book comes out. Uh, who's the guest for Grand Rapids, Michigan? Uh, also, should we ask questions here or on YouTube? Well, you asked me in the app. That's why I saw it here because we're only taking questions on the app. We, we don't do YouTube live stream comments anymore. It's a cesspool of insanity and lunacy. Um, and that's what I mean about a sort of more mature, calmer, cooler, more decent internet. I'm not against free speech. You can say whatever you want, but most people don't invite everyone into their home to say whatever they want. What I've built at rubenreport.com through Locals is my digital home, and that's what I wanna build for other creators. And then other creators can figure out who they wanna associate with and who they wanna share their communities with. It's actually super cool the way we've done this. Um, and I think we've solved about 95% of the problems for 95% of the creators. So with that in mind, we don't do the YouTube super chat anymore, any of that nonsense. First off, YouTube takes like 40% of the money to do nothing. So that doesn't seem very fair to me, but also it's just, it's just a bunch of hateful trolls and Nazi frogs and a bunch of weirdos. So literally you pay what you want at rubenreport.com and you can be involved in this conversation as, as you were right here. I don't know who the guest is uh, in Cedar Rapids yet. You know, uh, sorry, Cedar Rapids, Grand Rapids. Michigan, what I'm trying to do is pick people that are local to each place. So Glenn Beck in Dallas, obviously. Peter Bogosian lives up in Portland. Uh, Christina Hoff Summers lives in DC, so we got her at Silver Spring. And I'm just looking through. I have obviously plenty of people in New York, plenty of people to choose from in San Francisco. I'm gonna fly some people in. I think I know who I'm gonna use in Minnesota. We're gonna figure it out. But actually, if you're part of rubenreport.com and you put in the comments who you wanna see at each, uh, at each city stop with me, uh, we'll see if we can snag them. So there you go. Uh, doing anything live for the night of Super Tuesday would be a great night to sit around and talk about a lot of different stuff as the night unfolds. Yes, we are doing something live. We have never done this before. I'm glad you're asking. So Super Tuesday, I'm gonna do a live stream like this, but we are going to do our first ever live Skype call-in show. You guys, not uh, pundits, not talking heads, not 
talking pundit heads or anything like that, you guys will call in live via Skype and we'll talk it out. So uh, it's gonna be quite a night. There is no reason to watch the nonsense on CNN, the overproduced pundit palooza of all people who you know, pontificate and get everything wrong every time before, every year before. Um, what we're gonna do though is I'm not just taking Skype calls from anybody because I'm a glutton for punishment, but not that much punishment. Uh, you gotta be a member at rubenreport.com. And how do you become a member? Well, if you buy a tour ticket right now, we're gonna give you membership for the month absolutely free uh, if you forward that receipt to support at rubenreport.com. And we'll just, I can actually Skype in. Now we can Skype in, I think, four people at once, four including me. We're gonna Skype in you guys. You can be in America, you can be in Europe, you can be in the Middle East, wherever you are. Uh, and we're gonna take questions. Maybe I'll ask you guys some things. Who knows, some live interviews. Maybe some celebs will join or YouTube people will join as well. Um, but I, I love the idea of this. We've had this, this ability to do this thing on Skype, sort of a live call-in thing for a while, um, but it's only gonna be people that are community members at rubenreport.com. Uh, any plans to stop at Buffalo later this year or uh, on the tour? We wanted to get Buffalo in. I don't think it worked out this time. Boston was the other one that we, we had a theater, but then I had to change a date because of something else. Um, so yes, we are gonna add things, as I said earlier, Florida, I was just down there, I met a gajillion people everywhere I went. So yes, we're gonna add a whole bunch of Florida stuff, um, the Canada stuff, as I said, we're working on a separate Australian tour, uh, which I'm hoping is gonna happen in July. So we're, we're piecing this thing together. Um, but if you're in Milwaukee, I guess your closest bet is, right now is New York City, which is a bit of a, bit of a trek. Um, but I, I did that trek a few times. My, my brother went to SUNY Buffalo, I went to SUNY Binghamton. Um, will you be coming to Milwaukee later this year? Um, I remember you telling me in person that you would be visiting on the book tour. So there isn't a Milwaukee stop yet, but again, uh, we've got some, some stuff in, as uh, the pundits call it, middle America. Uh, hopefully maybe you can jump to one of the other spots that are not, not too far from you, uh, but then hopefully we'll be, we'll be adding on more. Um, let's see. Um, a bunch of you guys have asked about Vegas. I don't know that Vegas even came up as like a real tour stop on this thing. I, I will find out about that. Um, let's see. Um, ah, here's a good one. How's Jordan doing? Have you talked to him? So obviously I don't wanna share anything private um, that's between me and Jordan um, or, or between me and his family or whatever else. I will tell you this, I saw Jordan right before uh, Thanksgiving. Um, he was doing better then, he's doing even better now. He's gonna be back soon. Um, you know, he was very open about taking this mild uh, clonopin, I think it was. He would talk about it sometimes on stage during the tour. His wife got, got very ill. They thought she had terminal cancer. I was actually with him out to lunch when he got the phone call about that. Um, he plowed through uh, and never stopped. Uh, never second-guessed himself, just kept going and going and going. His wife, Tammy, who's a wonderful lady, she was on tour with us for most of it until she had to start taking some tests. Um, I, you know, I can't share anything, really, that's, that's the private stuff. Um, I do, in the book, I, I write about a lot of my experience being on tour with Jordan and the way he influenced me and changed me on some things that, that you guys know about. Um, he will be back soon, I can, I can tell you that. And, uh, and we need him. It feels like there's a little hole in the internet right now, doesn't it? There definitely feels... It feels like there's something. Um, as the Democrats self-destruct, how important is it that Republicans do some quality control and actually elect people who would reduce the size of government and preserve liberty? I mean, I love this question, and I think this is, this is the great question right now. Like, everyone knows that the Democrats are imploding. 
the idea that a party has uh, Bernie Sanders, the socialist, communist, whatever he is at this point, big government, you know, it's never enough government guy, um, and Elizabeth Warren, who's pretty much the same, plus you gotta throw in even, even more intersectionality, and I'm gonna have a trans person hire the head of trans issues at the Department of Trans, I mean, it's all nonsense, right? That these people are in the same party as Mike Bloomberg and, and Joe Biden, who are, I would say, sort of more old school liberals, right? They're sort of centrist Democrats, even though they're probably too left for what I like or what I believe in at this point, let's say. These people have nothing to do with each other. And the party needs to split. It needs to split. AOC, who I think is wrong about everything, she actually said that a couple weeks ago, that these people shouldn't be in the same party. And they shouldn't. The socialists should have their party. Take all of your absolutely time-tested, terrible ideas and get out of the way, do your thing. And then there should be an adult table for, for decent Democrats that perhaps want more government than I want, but that have, have a basically decent set of ideas. Uh, and then there should be a, a conservative Republican set of ideas and, and a libertarian push on poll on how to make more liberty out of that set of ideas and everything else. Um, but I do think the party does not survive this thing. I do not think that the Democratic Party, I'm not saying the Democratic Party won't exist, but it will either truly split in two and we will have a socialist party, and I've been saying it for years, they're only calling them democratic socialists for now, that's just a temporary thing until you crush the Democratic part because socialism is not about democracy. Um, which is the funniest part, by the way, when Bernie at the debates, he always talks about the authoritarian governments of the, the Venezuela, and blah, 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 while at the same time he loves all of these countries. But he doesn't realize that his policies are all authoritarian. Every authoritarian means the government does it. The power outside of the people does it. Bernie is the biggest authoritarian there is. So he's screaming about Trump, but it's like Trump has kept the wheels on the system. You can say whatever you want about Trump. Nobody comes knocking at your door. The second Trump tweets, a thousand blue check journalists tell him to go fuck himself and whatever else. And it's like, nobody's coming for you guys. Every, everything's okay. Try to imagine it the other way when Bernie's president and now he's got the media behind him and all the lefties and the, the crush on free speech that'll come with that. And then you think that it'll be okay for conservatives who are all labeled Nazis to say bad things about dear leader Bernie. They will gladly change rules and laws uh, to stifle that stuff, plus big tech and everything else. So there is a complete disconnect between what authoritarian is from Bernie authoritarianism and what actual authoritarian uh, is, is, what authoritarianism actually is, let's put it that way. Um, but the parties do need to split. But to answer your question directly, what I would love to see now, and this is what I see and what I have been talking about for years, Conservatives and broadly people on the right, whether you're a classical liberal, so you maybe want a little more government than say a conservative does, or you're a little more liberal socially, perhaps on something like abortion, than a traditional conservative. Classical liberals, conservatives, libertarians, people that actually believe in liberty, that believe in individual rights, meaning everyone has the same rules applied to everybody, right? This is the basic core of, of the American experiment. Um, I see an incredible amount of people coming together, arguing about this stuff, sitting down to agree to disagree. I'm pro-choice begrudgingly. I actually explained my position very thoroughly in the book. Ben Shapiro is not, yet we can have a conversation decently. Or, De or Dennis Prager is not, we can have a, a respectful conversation. This simply does not happen on the other side. A great example of this, two weeks ago, I had Heather McDonald on. The first question I asked Heather McDonald, uh, who's a fellow at the Manhattan Institute, she considers herself a secular conservative. She's been secular her whole life. She's been conservative her whole life. She doesn't believe in God, but she believes that there is room for secular conservatism within the conservative movement. Um, I agree with her that th there should be for sure. That being said, I do agree more with 
I would say, the Jordan Peterson argument that there has to be an undergirding of belief um, that set up our enlightenment values. That, that's a whole other topic. It's a topic I love and I get into in the book as well. Um, but her argument is there should be a secular belief, uh, a secular room for, uh, room for secular conservatives, sorry. Um, Dennis Prager watched our video and she references Dennis Prager's belief system a few times and he didn't attack her over it. He didn't slam her. He didn't try to deplatform her. You know what he did? You're not gonna believe this, guys. You're not gonna believe this. He heard someone say some things about his beliefs. He wrote a, he wrote a piece online, a respectful piece about two people he said he liked in conversation and his disagreements with them. And then I shared that piece. And that's exactly what I see happening on the right right now that simply doesn't happen on the left. The left purges everybody that disagrees with them. They constantly try to throw anyone under the bus that, uh, that doesn't agree with every part. And there, there is a fundamental reason for that. And the fundamental reason for that, I believe, is that people basically on the right, and again, the right-left thing, it's all, it, these things are becoming amorphous terms that don't mean as much. But generally speaking, if you're on the right, you believe in individual rights. If you're on the left right now, it's very unclear what the unifying principle is. So individual rights, it's very easy to explain what that is. You believe that every single citizen of a country should have the exact same rights. They, no one should be treated differently because of their color or their gender or their sexuality or anything else. This is a fundamental part of being right, uh, being on the right, and you know sometimes they fail at it, by the way. They do, right? Gay marriage took a lot longer than it should have uh, from a conservative or a right perspective. The left doesn't really have a unifying principle anymore. It has this idea that government should sort of do stuff and that everyone that doesn't kind of believe that is racist and that capitalism is sort of evil, but there's no underlying principle. Is it group rights? Is it individual rights? It's very unclear what that is. So it's, it's what everyone sort of feels at every any given moment. So that's why when you watch the debates last night, and they're all yelling at each other and speaking over each other and you're going, what the hell is Bernie Sanders doing at the same debate that Mike Bloomberg's at? These guys are diametrically opposed. I mean, Bloomberg doesn't hate the United States. Bernie hates the United States. I really believe that. But they never say anything. Do they say freedom, liberty? Do they ever say anything nice about the United States, about the amount of freedom that we've brought to more people than anywhere else? Do they ever talk about all the good we've done in the world, that we've brought more people out of poverty than any other place? I mean, they're afraid to say those things. Bloomberg had a, an American flag pin up there and it was like, man, you're on the outs, buddy. Or Biden, the best is when Biden, who I think does get what America is, whether you agree with him or not, or whether he's having some cognitive stuff or not. Biden every now and again talks about separation of power in the constitution and it's like, dude, you're in the wrong room. These people don't care. What do they talk about? Day one, I'm gonna do this. Day one, I'm gonna do that. That's authoritarianism, Bernie. That's authoritarianism. The president isn't supposed to do all these things on day one or on day 60. The president's supposed to sign things into law. And by the way, they all fail at this. They all use executive actions. And I've been critical of Trump when he's done it. And I was critical of Obama when I did it. And I was critical of George W. Bush when he did it and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what we're seeing right now is just a real ideological um, juggle. It's like a, it's like a um, you know, like one of those machines like that you go, it was like a game show thing in like the 70s or 80s and there's money flying around and you're just grabbing whatever. That's sort of what's happened on left. They're just grabbing whatever they can on any given moment. And when you do that, well then this, the guy who did it a little differently automatically has to be the bad guy. So I do think it is on right-leaning people, conservatives, libertarians, whatever else, to right now go, you know, uh, we've got a little momentum right now. We seem to have a little cohesion. How do we then rein in the spending? How do we actually do the things we say we're gonna do? Because often, yes, which is the heart of your question, which was asked 18 minutes ago, uh, they often talk about you know, cutting spending and the rest of it, and then they don't do it when they're office. So I do think there's a, a real interesting opportunity right now for, uh, for people on the right to do that. And I will say one other thing, you know, when you talk about 
the split between the Bernies and the Bloombergs and, and what the mess, I mean, the abject debacle that is the, the Democratic Party right now. Well, you could say, well, wait a minute, Dave, four years ago when the Republicans were running, you had Cruz and Cruz hated Trump and now he likes Trump and you had Rubio who hated Trump and now he likes Trump and Cruz, hate, they hated this guy and that guy hated this guy. That's true, but all of that stuff was basically personality driven, right? It was like people didn't like Trump's personality, he didn't like their personalities, that sort of thing, but they had a sort of basic set of beliefs that were right. They believed in capitalism, right? They basically believed in individual rights. They basically believed that the American experiment is a good experiment, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a cohesion there. The personalities may not match and they may disagree on things, but that's what a political party or a set of beliefs is supposed to contain with, right? It's supposed to grapple with those things. The left has just gone off the deep end with those things. That, that is a huge fundamental difference. Uh, so that's where they're at. Uh, what are we doing, people? The Don't Burn This Book Tour has been announced this morning. Pre-sale tickets are open right now. You gotta use code SOLO if you click the Live Nation link that is right there in YouTube. So I know you see it. I can see you right now because you've got a webcam and we can see you. Uh, you click that Live Nation link, enter code SOLO. We've got 17 stops booked already. If you buy a ticket today and you forward your receipt over to support at rubenreport.com, we're also gonna give you a month free access to rubenreport.com where you can check out the community, we've got a ton of great stuff going on over there. There's no bots, there's no trolls. We have real people having real conversations, ad-free video. We don't save your data. We're spinning off these communities to other people. We got major people coming on over the next couple weeks. Lots of good stuff happening. Okay, um, let's see. Um, whew, let's see. <laughs> this, is, this is sort of funny. Uh, Dave, like your folks, I also live in a Florida condo. You describe their condo as little. My condo is two bedroom, two bath at a very modest 1,200 square feet. Can you define little for us? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know how many square feet it is, but I can tell you the condo's got a, a little kitchen. You know, you can get like four people maybe in the kitchen kind of cook. I can tell you this, David was trying to cook for everybody and when another person got in the kitchen, he was like, I have no room here. Uh, so he's got a little kitchen or you got a little kitchen there, you have two bedrooms that have uh, queen size beds and little nightstands, but not much room to operate beyond that. Little hallway, um, you have a you know, little front balcony, a uh, little back balcony, um, and you have a you know, decent sized living room. So I don't know what, I, I guess maybe about 1,200 square feet, even that seems a little big to me, I'm not sure. Um, but that is an interesting, it's an interesting thought, and one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, I live here in LA, you know our property taxes are bananas and real estate is insane here and everyone, everywhere I go, people are like, well, you live in there and I'm like, well, the weather's nice. But it's not just that the weather's nice, it's that this, you know, LA does have an interesting thing happening right now, which is that as politics and, and media collide, LA in many ways is becoming the home of politics. You know, Shapiro is right here, Prager is right here, Peter Thiel has moved down here. There's an interesting sort of alignment of say right-leaning people in, in LA right now. Um, where DC, it's like DC's lost a lot of momentum. You know, Trump has sort of drained the swamp at some level, right? Whether you like him or not. And the, the endless DC punditry, you know, these people that get everything wrong year after year after year, um, they're becoming increasingly irrelevant. And not that you can judge everything by, um, by retweets or, or traction online. But even yesterday I was looking at something, the New York Times tweeted out something and I just thought it was so stupid. And I looked at the numbers and it's like, you know, it has 12 retweets and 15 likes and three comments. And it's like, you could, I don't have to make this about me, but you could look at my tweets from the debate last night and I have things with 10,000 retweets, you know, 15,000 likes, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I think just people are paying attention to things in very, very different ways. 
So to relate that back to, to Florida and everything else, I could definitely see myself living in Florida in the future. I love Florida. Um, I could see a Texas situation. Um, I don't think my long-term future is in the People's Republic of California. Um, any new updates coming with locals? Any new features, et cetera? Yeah, we have a ton of new features. So just in the last week, our most recent update, you can now follow other people so you can get push notifications from other people. So if there's someone in the community that you like, maybe you like them more than me, um, you can get push notifications to your phone every time they post. Uh, you can now bookmark posts. Um, we're working on a seriously great content catalog where you'll be able to see every video that we've ever put up, every audio podcast, and the rest of it. We're working on some really cool decentralization stuff related to that. Um, I should tell you um, that, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to San Francisco tomorrow for a couple days of fundraising there. So we're, we're doing our, our next round of fundraising. Uh, we have three investors right now, by the way, in Locals. I've told some of you this before. Three investors, all who were fans of mine, who I met over the years, um, and we raised about 600 grand. By the way, I take none of that money. One, I do not take a dime. I've put money and a tremendous amount of time into Locals. I don't take any salary. You know, if we blow this thing up and it sells and keeps growing and growing, I'll do fine, but I, I believe in the mission and what we're doing here. And I actually like, there's something kind of fun about like building something that's in line with your beliefs and the rest of it, which I guess is what I've done here with the show as well. Um, so we have, we have all sorts of new features coming. There's gonna be live streaming, um, a whole, whole bunch of stuff. It, it's all coming. We opened up uh, our first office in Europe. We've got about 12 full-timers over there. We have an office in New York. Good stuff's happening. And, and by the way, since we are raising funds, um, if you are an angel investor or even a small VC, because we don't want big VC money, I don't want really big, big tech money, um, we are raising funds right now, so feel free to, to pitch us on what you're doing or send us an email and we'll pitch you. Uh, but it's all happening within the next couple of weeks. A bunch of investors have the docs. Uh, you can just send an email to contact at rubinreport.com if you're interested. And by the way, I know a few of you, some of you who I know are even watching this right now, are, are fans who, who are investors. Um, so uh, it's, just, it's just cool. We're building something cool. Canceled Netflix today to support more locals and other content creators. Stop feeding the beast and it will die. That is it, my friend. Thank you very much. I mean, that I really do believe that. Look, that the one way we can get big tech to change, that we can get anything to change is, is change your behaviors. Right, we all, we can't, everyone's screaming. You know, I think I told this once before on a live stream, but I went into Susan Wojcicki's office. She's the YouTube CEO. I don't think she was thrilled to, to meet with me, but enough public pressure had applied, been applied, so she had to meet with me. She didn't take a picture with me. She takes a picture with all the other YouTubers. No picture, it's okay, Susan. And she seems perfectly fine. And I'm in there and they've got the head of PR and blah, blah, blah. The first thing they say is this is off the record, so blah, blah, blah. I'm not gonna repeat anything that was said, but I will say one thing that I said which was, I said, Susan, you know, you got a lot of people right now. You got Elizabeth Warren on the left calling for big tech to be regulated. You got Tucker Carlson on the right calling for big tech to be regulated. I'm probably the last guy that's gonna come in here and say, I don't want it to be big uh, regulated, so you might wanna work with me. Uh, I can't repeat what was said after that. But that was another one of those moments where I was like, I have to build this thing for myself. So all of us, we have to just change our behaviors. You know, they gave us all of this stuff for free. They gave us Twitter for free and Facebook for free and YouTube for free and everything else for free. And what did, the, what did we have to do for it? We had to sell our soul, like Bart Simpson in season four, right? We had to sell our soul. Um, and I think there's a much better, mature way to do an internet. It's gonna cost you a couple bucks. By the way, the next thing with locals, because people keep asking me, is so let's say we have now 20, 30 locals creators, and you really like a whole bunch of these people, but you don't wanna give everybody five bucks because you got 30 people at five bucks, 150 bucks a month. It's like buying cable in the old days. 
Well, what's gonna happen is some big name creators are gonna start building out their networks. So let's say I'm in my network, right? And now I also have Bridget Phetasy's community in mind who I love and I have Michael Malice who I think is great and a whole bunch of other people that I think is great. Well, now you could subscribe to my network. Let's say it's 20 bucks a month and they all get a smaller portion of that. I get more of it. Let's say if I'm the bigger name in it and maybe there's a network that has a bigger name than me. And there's all sorts of interesting ways to monetize these things and do these things. So we're, we're doing what I think is front end internet stuff to fix the mess and get rid of the bots and the trolls and everything else. And I hope you'll join us. And by the way, if you want to get into rubenreport.com for free or the iOS app uh, or the, the Google Play app, if you want to just see what I'm doing there, uh, instead of me just talking about it, um, I'll give you a month for free right now. All you gotta do is buy a ticket to the tour. So you go to livenation.com, the link's right down there, enter code SOLO, pick your local tour, forward us the receipt, contact that rubenreport.com, and, uh, and we'll give you free month access and fiddle around, see what you like, and if you don't like it, head on, head on out, partner, and if you do like it, uh, we'll see what happens. Woo! Uh, why isn't Elizabeth Warren going, on, going after Bernie like all the other candidates? Great question, and something struck me as very obvious last night related to that. So Elizabeth knows she's done, right? The, she, the, her and Bernie are basically the same thing. She's like a more wonky, they're both deeply unlikable, I think, but she's sort of a more wonky version. She knows she's out, but what's she playing for here? She's playing for uh, a chance to get in a Bernie administration. Now, maybe that means she wants to be, be VP, um, or maybe it's a bizarre of intersectionality. Who knows what it is that she wants to be? But if you saw the way she was going after Bloomberg last night and that she lays off Bernie, you know, once in a while she'll say something about Bernie like, oh, I like your plans, but I do it this way. Okay, that's fine. But she's really going as Bernie's attack dog because she knows Bloom, Bloomberg is the threat to Bernie, right? Because Bloomberg is the established order threat to the socialist. I don't like either one of them. But that's her move. And, and if you want some sort of evidence of that, remember back to uh, 2016, do you remember the debate when there seemed to be a little movement for Rubio? Rubio was kind of on the way up. Trump was, Trump was above it the whole time, right? He was running always ahead. But Rubio was kind of moving up. And then there's a debate where Christie, who was not doing well, very comparable to Elizabeth Warren, people kind of knew his name but didn't have major support. Christie just went in and um, demolished Rubio. And then it was done. Rubio was out a couple days later. And I sense that's what Warren's doing here. There's a, there's a handshake nod. Warren realized after that debate where she tried to cut Bernie down that it's not going to work. So now she wants in on the administration. So the best thing she can do to show loyalty, because it's all a game, right? Politics is a big game, is take out Bloomberg. That, that's what she's doing over there. Um, so I, I think, you know, she's, she's done after Super Tuesday. Um, this thing goes down to, you know, we'll see what happens in South Carolina. But you know, basically it's like, it's Bernie, obviously, he's got the rabid base. By the way, you know everyone's saying, oh, this means socialism's coming to America, this means communism. This is a rabid group of, of you know, really hostile, angry, often college kids, but very confused people that I don't think this plays well. I mean, Trump is probably praying that Bernie wins because Trump will then win in an absolute landslide because I think most decent people like America. And all Trump's gonna have to do is just basically be like, you know, I like America. And Bernie's gonna be screaming about And it's just not gonna fly. So I think Bernie wants, uh, I'm sorry, I think Trump wants Bernie more than, more than Bloomberg for sure. But I think what happens here is you end up with the final three being, uh, being Biden, short of, you know, the Biden thing, it's sad. It's like, I don't even wanna talk about him because it's sad. I mean, watching the guy be virtually unable to finish a sentence coherently, and last night he said, what was the thing? He said, 170 million Americans have been killed by guns since 2007, and no one even called him out on stage 
on it because it's because it's sad to watch, right? It's like, why doesn't someone pull them aside and say, Joe, you can go out to pasture now, it's okay. You, you, you were a vice president, you were a senator for 20 plus years, like you can relax, man. I mean, he's coming off as angry and you can feel it that he, he's losing it. And it's sad actually, but I think it'll probably be him and Bloomberg because he's just got the money and Bernie who's got the momentum. And then it's like, you know, Mayor Pete is just kind of nothing. He's, he just strikes me as so inauthentic. Like he's just like stands in a mirror all day long saying, I'm Obama, I'm Obama. That thing is passed. Klobuchar I think is decent. Klobuchar seems to like America, which is a weird position as a Democrat. Um, but like, I don't think the energy is behind a moderate right now. So she's kind of out of the way and Steyer isn't worth talking about. So there you go. Um, is there a story behind the code solo? Is it a Star Wars reference? I didn't come up with that, but the first thing I thought, they said, we'll do code solo. I, I don't know if maybe they did it in honor of Star Wars for me, um, but it was the first thing that popped in my mind. So solo, if you click that link right down there for Live Nation, 17 tour stops, enter code solo. You can get VIP tickets, you can get preferred seating, you can get general access. I'll meet with you after the show. Um, well, I'll do, you know what, I'll do the quick, uh, the quick run through again. New York City, Gramercy Theater, April 28th. Uh, Theater of the Living Arts in Philly on April 29th. Then we're in Dallas at the House of Blues. Glenn Beck will be joining me for that one on May 3rd. May 4th, we're in, we're in uh, where are we there? Houston, Texas. Um, on May 5th, we're at the Aztec Theater in San Antonio. May 7th, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio. May 8th, we're in Cleveland. May 9th, we're at the Old National Center in Indianapolis. May 10th, we're at the Varsity Theater in Minneapolis. May 11th, we're at the Monroe Live in Grand Rapids. Uh, May 12th, we're in Detroit, in Michigan, at the St. Andrews Hall. Uh, oh, sorry, there were more here that I skipped before. May 15th, we're at the Summit in Denver. Ah, the Summit, that's cool. Uh, May Monday, May 9th, 18th, we're at the House of Blues in Anaheim, California. I think I know who I have for that show. That's our local LA show. Uh, you might want to attend that one if you're in the local LA area. Uh, on uh, May 19th, we're at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. Uh, May 20th, we're in Seattle, Washington at the Neptune Theater. And May 21st, Peter Bogosian will be joining me in Portland, Oregon. Uh, on May 21st, that was. Oh, and I skipped that uh, Silver Spring one again, which is the DC show. Christina Haas Summers, the factual feminist, will be joining me for that one. There we go. All right, a couple more questions here. Um, man, you guys, are, you guys are blowing me up today. All right, let's see. I wanna make sure I understand how this works correctly. You live stream on YouTube, but we use the app to leave posts and comments. Yes, exactly, and because I saw this, we know that that works, because there's no other place to leave comments. People might be commenting on my Twitter right now or Facebook or whatever, but I'm only listening and talking to you guys. Um, let's see. Um, oh, this, this is an interesting one. Curious why Jordan went one way and you another on launching the Patreon alternative uh, local seems much more community focused, but I haven't really studied this. I wanna be completely, 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 completely uh, clear and transparent on this. First off, there is absolutely no tension uh, between Jordan and I. Jordan knew that I was working on an app originally. We sort of had the same uh, starting point and, we were, and he said to me many times, he's like, you should be working on stuff, I should be working on stuff, let's see what kind of works out and maybe we can work these th two things together. I think ultimately um, there is a lot of movement and ability for locals and ThinkSpot to work together. Um, my, f my personal belief was I wanted to build something that worked for me first because I'm so in the center of sort of the creator element of this um, as an online creator and as a free speech guy. And I thought if I could build something for myself first, I could help build it for other people. Um, and Jordan was doing more of a platform thing. But then also as Jordan had some of the health problems, he sort of stepped away. And my feeling was if I was gonna be involved in something, I needed to deeply be involved in it at the granular level 
from day one. So that's really the only answer. I hope both of them become huge, huge, huge successes. Maybe they become one thing. Maybe they're two things. Maybe they are competition. None of that would affect our friendship or our ability to work with each other. So it, it is totally all good and I appreciate the question. Um, are you gonna continue doing Ruben Report during the tour? So I do have a couple off days in May and I'll come home and we'll try to tape stuff. We may tape some, some live stuff on the road. I was thinking about maybe just doing a live show at the bar with you guys where I'll just, we'll take over a bar one night and I'll just bring on people live and we'll get drunk and stupid and see what happens. So we're gonna do all sorts of stuff. Um, let's see. Um, just watch the Veritas video, my goodness. How does America know about what mainstream media is up to if they refuse to talk about it themselves? So I haven't seen today's Veritas video but I guess there was somebody at ABC who says he's a socialist and that they were sort of suppressing news or something like that. I can't comment on it specifically because I haven't seen it yet. But no, I can tell you this, and this is what much of the book is about. Nothing really surprises me anymore, right? Like we've seen it, guys. We've seen it. The, the New York Times did a cover story on how YouTube radicalizes people to the far right. And in that story, on the online version, I was on the front, and this one they held me to like the third page, but a huge picture of my face with something to the effect of the, you know, the creators leading people to the far right, or it might have even said alt-right. My dad has been a subscriber to the New York Times as a New York liberal, good liberal, uh, for over 40 years before I was born. And he had to go to the coffee store shop that morning, that Sunday, to see that and have a friend come up to him and say, well, I didn't know your son David was alt-right. I mean, it's nonsense, it's drivel. By the way, the guy who wrote it, uh, his, his name is Kevin Ruse, he's a, uh, the whole thing's a ruse, I'll tell you that much, uh, but he's a New York Times writer. I invited him on the show, and of course, he declined. Uh, and it's like, th these are not good people. The, the journalists the journalists who just try to assassinate, assassinate everybody are not good people, and that's why they're constantly attacking everybody who doesn't fit the narrative. And, uh, oh, well, this is, this is a good little teaser too. On April 27th, the day before the book comes out, uh, my next PragerU video is coming out, and this is exactly what it's on. It's that we have what I believe is a bravery deficit in the United States. We have people that are afraid to say what they think, and it's not because they're Nazis or bigots. It's because they're good, decent people, and we have an, a media elite class that is trying to confuse and conflate a million different issues so that we're all afraid to say anything out of fear of losing our job or losing a relationship or, or the other thing. We gotta stop cowitowing to it. We gotta start fighting it and I hope you will join me on that mission, and uh, there you go. Um, is there a secular conservative church I might join? You know, one that agrees with six of the 10 commandments. I'd have to look at the six you're interested in. I mean, the do not murder thing seems pretty good. The covet thy neighbor's wife. I mean, I guess you could covet her. You can't covet her to the point that you're throwing her in the basement and giving her a lotion in the basket sort of thing. Um, but uh, that's, that's an interesting one, uh, good question. Any plans tonight to write another book in the future? I think so, I've got a couple good ideas, actually. Um, some are that are sort of more on the fun side um, and some that are more on the idea side. I think the next one will be definitely more on the fun side for sure. You know, partly, um, it partly is related to how well this book sells, although I know we've, we've sold a ton already and it's, it's gonna do real well. Um, I hear, from what I understand from my guys at Penguin Random House, the bookstore, so Barnes and & Noble and everything else, they're buying tons of copies, uh, Costco, I was told, which is cutting down, I guess, on, on book sales now. They've bought a ton because they think it's gonna play real well there. Um, so, you know, I wanna get this one out of the way and it did take, um, it, did ta it took a lot of work and a lot of time and everything else. Um, but it was a fun process and it was also like, it helped me uh, in terms of a certain amount of discipline, I think, in my life. Um, and I also lost a little weight while writing the book because I would usually start writing at about 8 a.m. I'd wake up, I usually wake up 
about 7.15 or so. I'd check emails for a little bit. I'd start writing about 8 a.m. and I often would just write, 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 till I couldn't go anymore. I'm working through the ideas or I'm talking pe to people about different things in the ideas and Skyping with people, trying to, trying to figure out exactly what I wanna say. And um, then I'd realize it was two o'clock and I hadn't eaten. So I ended up losing some weight during the whole thing too. Uh, what lightsaber color would you pick and what would be your best of force ability if you were a Jedi? Um, what lightsaber color would I pick? Um, you know, I always liked that green, the Luke green from uh, Return of the Jedi. That was always a good color. Because um, he was a little more of a badass too. He wasn't just purely blue good, right? Obi-Wan blue good. He was a little more badass in that one. My power, I think, would be uh, not forcing people to say something, but allowing them to say what they think. What do you think about that? Uh, how do we get backstage tickets? Um, so we're doing VIP meet and greets where I will, uh, so first off, if you buy the VIP seat, uh, you get preferred seating. So you're in the first couple rows. Uh, and then immediately after the show, I take about a five minute break and then I'm gonna come out, give a small talk to as many people as buy those tickets. Uh, there's, you know, I shake your hands, I'll sign the books, the whole thing. Um, so just buy a VIP ticket and you will meet me, you will shake my hand and all that good stuff. Uh, handshaking to be announced though, obviously with coronavirus and all, we've gotta be careful about that. Um, let's see, I'll do one or two more and then, uh, and then we'll do a quick reset. Let's see. Uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about how the core conflict in the country right now isn't necessarily left versus right, but authoritarian versus libertarian and how those that are leaving the left are simply refusing to play the authoritarian left's game. Wonder if you agree with this or see it differently. Yeah, yeah, I think you're basically right. That's why the right left thing, it's, it's very confusing now, especially as more and more of you get your news from YouTube and, and Twitter and online places, because the definition of these things is different. A liberal in the UK is more of my kind of liberal, right, than say what is thought of as a liberal in the United States. So the left-right is confusing. So basically what you're saying here is you either believe in top-down authoritarianism, meaning that the government somehow is inherently good and knows what to do and is gonna do the right thing for the most amount of people, that would I would say is authoritarian. And by the way, it doesn't mean that everyone that believes that is evil. I think the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I think they're just confused about what human nature is, especially human nature of groups. Or you have the more libertarian view, not meaning that you're a pure libertarian or part of the libertarian party, but you basically believe that individual people know what's best for them. You person watching this, you probably have a better idea on how to live your life than I know how to live your life. And that from there, if we could just treat everybody equally, that that gives the most chance of prosperity to grow. And then within that is there are arguments about where traditional conservatives are, say, more religious than, say, traditional libertarians. Uh, a classical liberal may want a tiny bit more government than a pure libertarian. A libertarian may, may want a little more government for some reason than an ANCAP. I mean, all of those things sort of fit within that scope. But I think the, the basic premise that you're laying out there is correct. And, uh, and that, by the way, is why I'm so enthused about what's going on here. You know, I saw a tweet by that clown on CNN, Brian Stelter, um, who's wrong about everything and, you know, just not good. Um, but it was something like a week or two ago, something about like how everyone's so upset about politics and everything's so horrible and we all just need a break. And it's like, I, I get that. I mean, I get why it's all kind of sucky. But it's like, there's something so great down here if you, if you just come and look for it. And that's why the democratic debates are so depressing. Because the only way that their ideas of more government and taking from some and giving to others makes sense is if everything is bad here. Which is why they make you feel like everyone is racist and everything is evil and the United States is awful and capitalism is terrible. But we all know that's actually not true, right? Why, there's a reason Bernie hasn't left 
this American wasteland for Denmark yet. And guess what? They wouldn't be thrilled if Bernie did go to Denmark. The, the, the Danish would not be that thrilled. So um, but they prey on the idea that, that you, they can keep you thinking everything's horrible, that something's coming for you, that something evil is out there. And I'm not saying bad ideas can't flourish. Of course they can. Of course they can. Um, but again, if you're in the United States in 2020, you got it pretty good, and that doesn't mean it can't be better, but you, what you should be trying for is change things on the margin the way you can. Make things a little bit better, perhaps in your own local community. My local congressman, by the way, he lives about a mile away from here. His office is over there. I've stopped in there. He wasn't there, but I actually stopped in. Um, you can do that. You can do that, too. I've got this frickin', this is California, it's a disaster, L.A., uh, but there's a whole bunch of garbage at my uh, this, the uh, the highway stop right here, my highway exit, and it's like, well, what I have to do is deal with the local government to clean that up, not hand everything over to the federal government, because then nothing's ever going to get better. So I, I, I'm very enthused right now. I think a lot of good stuff is happening. Another good thing that's happening, by the way, is Don't Burn This Book, which is my first book. It's coming out on April 28th. You can buy it on Amazon, or you can buy it on barnesandnoble.com, wherever else, or burn, don'tburnthisbook.com. We've got links to the book. But the tour, ladies and jelly spoons, ladles and jelly spoons, I should say, uh, the tour was announced today. It is on presale. If you use code SOLO in honor of Han Solo, apparently, uh, you can buy tickets today. And if you buy a ticket and you forward your receipt over to contact at rubenreport.com, we're going to give you one month for free at rubenreport.com, which you can also get an iOS app for or a Google Android Google Play Store for Android, uh, and check out our community. We'll give you a month free there, and meet and greet and all that good stuff, and I hope to see you guys there. I will take two more questions. I'll do one more promo, and then we're good. Do, we, do I have close liberal friends? Um, I would say, actually, it's a good question. So here's what I could say. So most of my friends, like my lifelong friends, I would say are mostly old school liberals like me. Most of my friends growing up, I was always sort of into politics. I remember being in seventh, eighth grade. We had a mock election in my class. This was when, when I really got into politics the first time. And um, we had to like run a fake campaign and it was when Dukakis was running against George H.W. Bush. And I was on Dukakis' side and he was a liberal and a Democrat and I thought he was a good guy and George Bush was for, he hated poor people and he loved war and he was a capitalist and blah, blah. All that factory setting nonsense that we're just fed. But I always loved politics since then. And my friends, um, my, my two best friends actually right now, in, in my life right now, are my two best friends from childhood. One of them, John, who I met when I was four years old. I remember meeting him the first day of kindergarten. Literally remember meeting him. And we've been best friends for almost 40 years. And Ari, who moved to town when I was in third grade. And I've been fighting and arguing with these guys about politics for years and years and years. And we still get along and we play video games when we see each other and can shoot hoops or whatever else we're doing. So um, I would say most of my friends are liberals in that sense. But I think what you mean here is, are, are you friends with any leftists? I, truly, I've had a harder time maintaining friendships with leftists, um, but it, it, I can tell you as honestly as I can possibly tell you something from my perspective, um, it has not been from me. I have had people that, that I've known my whole life that then watch my show or see my Twitter or see someone that I talk to that then think you know, all sorts of horrible things about me, and then I'll say to them, well, have you ever heard me say anything racist? And, oh, that's not the point. And, well, do you think that I'm racist? Well, that's not the point. And, you know, the series of things that you guys have been have gone through, like if you're sitting at home watching Fox News and you feel like you have to change the channel because your tolerant sister's coming in or something like that. It's like we're all going through some version of this. So 
I do still, I, look, I have progressives in my family. I just spent a week uh, with, with 13 family members, although some of them were very young. Oh, wait, I got something really funny to tell you about that. Um, but arguing about politics. My mom and I don't quite see eye to eye on this stuff, but we, we hug it out at the end. We always hug it out at the end. Um, and she's moved me in some ways and I've moved her in some ways. And I, and I write about this very extensively in the book actually that um, in my family growing up, at every holiday we'd have huge tables, 30, 40 people, uh, whatever holiday it was, yelling and arguing often about politics. Who's pro-life, who's pro-choice, this, that, the other thing. And then everybody, dessert would be served and everybody would be okay. And that's the way it used to be and that's what I wanna to try to bring back. It's what I've tried to do here and I probably fail at a bit on Twitter. Um, but I want to, but I do want to say one other thing, which is I watched the debate the other night, not last night's debate, but one, good God, they're every four days now. I watched the one four or five days ago with my two nieces, one just turned five, one six, and with my nephew, who is uh, 10. And watching the debate with this kid was absolutely hilarious. Because you know, you see all these blue check people on Twitter that are like, I'm sitting here with my 11 year old son and he wonders why a flat tax at 18% is better than a blah, 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 blah. Or I'm sitting here with my six year old daughter and she thinks climate change is gonna, and it's like, you guys are all making up this nonsense. You're using your kids as a, as a cudgel to control people. I sat here with this kid. He was hilarious because he's asking things the kids would ask. Elizabeth Warren started a couple of days ago saying something about how she heard somebody lost their car, blah, blah. And he's asking me, wait, that woman doesn't have a car? Why doesn't she, why doesn't the woman in the purple dress have a car? What happened to her? And she has diabetes? How'd she get that? And what's diabetes? And blah, blah, blah. I asked him, I, I have a tweet about this from a couple of years ago. I asked him when he was like eight years old. I said, what do you think about Donald Trump? I said, if I say Donald Trump to you, what comes to mind? He goes, he goes, he's got, he's orange, he's got bad hair and he wears a big red tie. Like that's what a kid says, not this drivel that they're always pushing on you nonsense. All right, I see a whole bunch more here. All right, one more here and then, and then I'll just push one more time for what we're doing and then we will go from there. Um, is it possible to have productive conversations about complex political topics on social media? Most of the ones I see involve the liberal and conservative telling each other that they're brainwashed. Ne neither seems to want to actually read and understand each other's comments. It's very difficult which is partly why we started Locals and why I think what we're building, and you're writing this to me at the Ruben O'Hare community, I'm seeing a tremendous amount of respectful conversation there. Um, and I think partly that's because there aren't a zillion burner free accounts. You gotta pay a couple bucks to get in, so you treat it a little bit differently, right? There's a reason you watch Netflix shows. You've paid for it, or your mom paid for it and you borrowed her password, although I do pay for my own Netflix. Um, when, when you have a little skin in the game, you behave a little bit better. You know, but there is something else that's a problem with this, which is that you know we're in the nascent period. We're now in a slight maturation of it, but we're in a pretty early period of the internet. We all got in for free. We all got on Facebook and all these things, and we didn't know what we were doing on there. And you start friending, oh my God, I knew that guy 20 years ago, and I met that girl at a bar the other day, and this one I had to share this with. And, and next thing you know, your feed, I don't even have Facebook anymore. I have a fan page, which I don't even manage. I literally never look at Facebook. It's not on my phone, I don't see it anymore. Um, but you have a feed on Facebook. I see it sometimes when I'm on a plane, somebody's next to me with their iPad scrolling and it looks insane. Cause it's like picture of a baby, picture of Trump, terrorist attack, cartoon, sports game. And it's like, you're looking at it and your brain's going like, dislike, hate. And then your emotions actually get out of whack. I, suddenly you hate your brother, you love the stranger, you wanna kill this person, this person's a Nazi. Like it's all bananas. So I think what's gonna be the next version of all of this is that we are going to become more local. We're gonna start doing smaller groups. By the way, I know that I'm way ahead of the game on locals.com because Facebook is promoting groups all the time now. And the thing is with Facebook is you guys created the problem, no one wants you to solve the problem. You've already got everybody's data. 
game's up for you, get out of the way. I don't need to give big tech to govern you. I don't need you to uh, buy locals. Uh, we're just gonna create something good. So I'm trying, I'm trying the best I can. And if you want in for free at rubenreport.com, which is the first project of locals, although we've got Bridget Fetesi's community, we've got Michael Malice's community, we've got Carpe Donkham's uh, community. We've got a whole bunch of others coming, including next week, I think we're gonna announce, maybe in two weeks, somebody that actually will completely change the game altogether. I think you will be quite shocked at, who, uh, at some of the people we're signing up to this thing. Uh, and they will create their networks and we're gonna clean up the internet and it's gonna be pretty cool. And if you want in for free, buy a ticket to the Don't Burn This Book Tour, which the link is right down below. Use code SOLO and just forward that receipt, the ticket receipt over to contact at rubenreport.com and we're gonna be a month free over there. All right, people, I've been talking all day long and I have plenty more talking to do, so that's it for me for now. Thank you guys as always. I'm super psyched to get the book out there. I'm psyched to get on tour, meet you guys talk to you guys, continue this whole thing. Uh, lots of good stuff is happening and I hope you guys feel it. I know it can feel crazy sometimes, but I hope you feel the basic goodness that is out there. Uh, so I thank you for watching. Oh, and by the way, if you're, if you're watching this uh, live, you've heard me repeat it a million times, but until midnight tonight, we'll honor, midnight tonight, tonight is February 26th. So at midnight tonight, Pacific time, uh, we will honor the code to give you the month for free. So uh, then after that, if you end up watching this tomorrow, we're not gonna give you the month free at the community anymore. But until midnight tonight, uh, if you buy a ticket to the tour and you forward it to contact at rubenreport.com, we're gonna give you a month free at rubenreport.com. That is all for me. I need a drink. Goodbye.